This is the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast with your hosts, Chris Spear and Andrew Wilkinson. Each week, we'll be speaking with food entrepreneurs and people in the culinary industry. If you're interested in learning more about our organization dedicated to helping people build and grow their food businesses, look us up on the web at chefswithoutrestaurants.com and .org and on Facebook and Instagram at Chefs Without Restaurants. Now, enjoy the show. This is episode 23 of the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. On this week's episode, we have Chef Kat. Kat is a personal chef in the Baltimore area. We discuss her personal chef business, collaborations, marketing, her organization Just Call Me Chef, and so much more. And thank you to this week's sponsor, The Grotto in Baltimore, who let us record this session there. As always, thanks and have a great week. All right, we're back. The Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. We're in Baltimore today at the Grotto. Shout out to the Grotto for letting us record here. I'm Chef Andrew. And this is Chris. And today we have with us Chef Kat. What up, what up, what up? Um, so why don't you let everybody know who is Chef Kat? Which, you know, I, I could I could sit here and 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 spit like, my introduce research, yourself. Spit my research, <laughs> but we want to hear it from you, you know, like what's what's important to you. So I'm Chef Kat, um, born and raised in Baltimore. I've been in the culinary field for about 15 years, so straight out of high school, straight into culinary school. Um, made some detours, but circled back into culinary, which is my true love. So I think I circled back into culinary maybe around seven years ago, and then that's when I finally decided that I need to start doing my own thing. Like, I feel like I'm talented enough to just do my own thing. Why not? So I started um, on this path called Culinary Socialite, just kind of touching into the foodie scene, hosting my own events where it revolved around good food and conversation. So that was pretty cool for a while. I'm like, okay, I don't really think this is my niche per se. And that's when I really started hosting chef meetups. I said, hey, I want to be around my folks. I want to be around my people and see what's going on and how we can kind of lean on each other and just see what's going on, where the trends um, in the food industry in Baltimore. So I start hosting like a monthly chef meetup. So that's been really cool. And we're all just really tight. And then from there, I said, you know what? I really want to plug into women, black women, because that's my, that's my folks. So that's how I started my organization, Just Call Me Chef, which is my baby right now, where all my heart and all my time and efforts are going into. So Just Call Me Chef is an initiative that's highlighting Black female chefs. It's a sisterhood, bringing us all together, um, just really trying to figure out how to diversify commercial kitchens and how to get us into those spaces. What do you think about culinary school? How do you feel about it? If I could do it all over again, I wouldn't, for sure. So, like I said, I'm still looking at Sally Mae saying that I owe them, and I'm just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but truly, when I went into... Um, restaurants, I really realized if a chef took you under their wing, you can learn all you need to learn. Mm-hmm. YouTube is available. Like I YouTube everything. Um, everything's in a book. So um, yeah, I definitely don't recommend culinary school if you just want to have that on your resume. But for the most part, chefs really, I don't think they pay it any mind. Like, okay, that's cool that you went to culinary school. But if I could do it all over again, I wouldn't. Well, yeah, I went to Johnson Wales, which in my opinion, very great school, like Johnson Wales, CIA, you hear about them? 
And I moved to Seattle and I got out there and nobody even had heard of it. It was like a, a shock. Like I had a four year bachelor's from what I thought was one of the top two schools in the country. And you get out there and everyone's like, what's that? Is that like a degree, like a certificate program? I'm like I spent like $150,000 on a bachelor's degree in college. It bought me no clout like out there at all. It was eye opening. Like, and I told the school that too, like when they asked for surveys and stuff, because they want you to believe that it's going to open all these doors. And yeah, it opens some, but a lot of people come out of culinary school and they still don't know how to cook. Right. I was about to ask you that. Like, what did you truly learn in culinary school that you don't think you could have learned on your own or on the job? So, I mean, for me, because I'm older, when I entered culinary school, we didn't even have the internet, like literally, right? So it's so different now. We had a library in on our campus that had cookbooks, but nobody was putting out like the quality of cookbooks now, like there was no Alinea cookbook by Grant Ackett's or La Den or whatever, a really good Mexican cookbook. Like you just didn't have the access to that and there was no internet. So, you know, I don't know if I could go back in time and do it 25 years ago if I do it again. It also depends on where you live and kind of your dining scene. I grew up kind of outside of Boston, but my hometown didn't have great restaurants. So I don't know that I would have been able to get great experience in them, but you know, who knows? Yeah, but but today is like tell the chef, hey, I'm passionate about this. I'm willing to put in the work. And I'm like, okay, we'll start you in garbage or whatever. But culinary schools are also new ideas anyway. I mean, when you think of the history of the world and how long it's been around and there have been restaurants. I mean, in the the whole dawn of time, I think culinary schools now is still only like a 50 year old mm-hmm. thing, kind of. So people have been doing it before culinary school. Now we just right. earn this kind of education structure where everyone should go to college to get a degree is kind of how people are being pushed. But I don't think you need to. And man, I think a large majority of the guests on our show have been to culinary school. And I don't think a single one of them said they would go back and do it over again. I think every single guest we've had on the show who went to culinary school says, don't go to culinary school. So I wonder if, you know, anyone from schools is listening to this. It's so crazy expensive, I guess. Like, I was thinking about going back to do some classes in pastry because I think you need to be taught pastry. You can't, like, I could YouTube it, like, I YouTube how to decorate a cake, and that was not a good, (laughs) like, I need to see someone physically doing that. But then again, I could just go to the pastry shop. I believe in lifelong learning, and I have since culinary school spent a lot of money and time going back and taking classes that I'm interested in and that I need to know. So, you know, I learned butchering in 1994 it was one nine-day class and then you get out of school and everyone's using prefab meats so you don't do any of that and then 15 years later like 2003 it's cool again but like i hadn't butchered a pig in like 20 years so i literally had to go and pay to take a butchering class and read some books and watch some youtube videos so i would just say like have a good understanding of what you want to do and then if there's something you really feel you need to do just take a one or two day course on that and kind of a la carte it and pay $300 yeah, to do a butchering yeah, yeah. class. Definitely. I think that in culinary school, I wish I would have known going in, like, this is the kind of chef I want to be. I always say that, like, I was just bright eyed and bushy tailed on, oh, I'm going to cook. I'm going to cook. But I, I didn't have any true idea of what I wanted to be until later. I'm like, oh, I want to do fine dining. But until then, I really didn't know. Like, people definitely have, um, chef identities like some people are just mass production type of people or some people are this or that like okay you work in the old folks home that's where you'll be forever but 
I wish I would have known that going in and then my path would have been more direct or I would have been higher up in ranks in fine dining if I would have known. Like, I would say teach that kind of class. Like, so what are you really interested in? Or something. I mean, you can, people figure their way out through time, but I, I could have cut that in half if I would have known, like, oh my God, this is fine dining. Like, I didn't know anything about that. I just knew that I wanted to cook, but if I would have knew fine dining, I would have went that path. So, and just kitchen culture in general, because some people don't have the stomach for it. That's why so many people, I'm like, what happened to all the people I went to culinary school and they're totally doing something else because they didn't have the stomach for how it really is. So I wish I would have known that. But I do, I got tough skin because it can get crazy. Yeah. Did you have any, um, <clears throat> did you have any restaurant jobs like before or during culinary school or did you just kind of come out and then get into the industry? Um, I was working at a restaurant during culinary school. Um, I was garmage at this Irish pub. That was my first restaurant job. Before then, I was like a pizza-making connoisseur in high school at Papa John's. You know, I'm a pizza person, right? (laughs) Really? Yeah, I got a pizza business. Well, I know Papa John's is not on that level, but... It's okay. I ate Domino's last night, still. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I love a Domino's pizza sometimes, but um, yeah, I was working while going to culinary school, so I think that definitely, like solidified that's what I wanted to do but then I kind of joined the military and kind of went that route for a little bit but yeah I definitely recommend people really get in the industry before you decide to lock down that you want to drop thousands of dollars to go to culinary school like make sure this is really what you want can you handle Mm -hmm. it long hours not seeing your family getting burnt and cut up like is that for (laughs) you you did you cook in the military yes that seems like it'd be a really, <clears throat> excuse me, interesting job. Well, the only reason I joined the, uh, the military is because I was like, oh, I'm going to be cooking for like some generals. I'm going to cook mm-hmm. for the president. False. <laughs> <laughs> so they kind of like dangled this in front of this cherry in front of me thinking I was going to do that. And that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So that's OK. I'm proud to serve to do that. But um, that's not what I was thinking I was going to do. Did that? Um, <clears throat> do you think that influenced your career, especially being that you do your own thing now? Um, like the, the like the systems and the discipline that came with that. Um, I think the military definitely helped me with my discipline and and growing that tough skin to truly handle the kitchen culture for sure. I don't know what really made me decide to do my own thing. It just kind of popped in my head that. I think it kind of started trending. I caught I start seeing it more like, hey, these chefs are are doing something. And I think what really made me do that was, I don't know if you guys know Chef JR with Kitchen Cray, but I was like, oh, this is so cool. These young black guys like gathering chefs together and they're like doing pop-ups. I'm like, I can do that. So that's kind of what got me going on that path. And he's actually the one that donned me like uh, Chef Cat because I used to go by just straight Katina. And then he was like, Katina, like, we calling you Cat. And then I started just going with Chef Cat. I was like, oh, that's a whole brand now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> did you work with him at some point or were you guys just? I like did. Like, I, I started following him on Instagram and I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to work with you. And so I've been a couple events with them. So, yeah. Cool. Do you have a restaurant dream? Do I want to open a restaurant one day? Yeah. No, uh, we can all work in a restaurant. Do you want to own your own? So what I want to do is actually <clears throat> me and my boyfriend have been talking about opening up a little diner. Because I I love diners. And I think that 
not like they're a lost art or something like that, but I think they kind of are. Yeah, they kind of so are. So I'm like, I think I could have like a dope-ass diner. That's we, what I would do. We don't have a good diner in Frederick. I think, so. like, I've been driving around trying yeah, to find diners, and I'm like, man, where are all the cool diners? And I think I could, like, just do, like, a whole funky, like, look to it and just, like, snazz it up, but still, like, diner food, but, like, really good. So you do, like, an upscale version of... Yeah. Diner classics. Would it be like a airstream or like kind of like a small? I don't know. It like, would be small. Yeah. Like we would have like the like the bar where people are sitting at the bar. Maybe a couple of like two tops or something like that. And I've always said I want to have a place. I want to have some sort of couch situation. But yeah, like some of the classics, like I love a Reuben sandwich. Like a really good Reuben mm. sandwich. Really. That's like my. Food. That's my late night. Like. I, I went to college in Providence and we had a place called Silvertop. And I think they, I don't even think they opened till 11 at night, but they were parked in the middle of an industrial park. It was like a mobile place that they had just dumped in the middle of nowhere. And it was like an 11, like a from dusk till dawn, like an 11 PM to 6 AM. And my thing was like a pastrami sandwich or a Reuben. And just, you'd go to a concert at two in the morning, go out there and just sit with a shitty cup of black coffee and like a pastrami sandwich. But you like absolutely love it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I want. I think people would really enjoy it. And you really don't see that. Like, even in Baltimore, it's very uh, far and in between black female owned restaurants in general. And I think like a place like that will be very well received by the city. I think Frederick would receive a diner from that too. <laughs> there's actually there's some people that are probably being pissed at me saying that because we have one restaurant that's supposed to be like a diner, but well, and there's the silver. Um, oh, silver diner. I have diners like Mountain View, and <clears throat> yeah, the Silver Diner. But that's like but a it's, chain. Not, it's like a restaurant. So why aren't they good though? Mountain View, I would say, is one of the. It's like family owned. I know there's another one in like West Virginia or something. But to me, like the food is just not that. What do you good. think? It's just like straight well, out of bags and stuff. I don't know. Have Have you been to Silver Diner? Their food's good. So their food is good, but I but wouldn't call a it a diner. They're it's a, a small chain, and I resisted going for a long time. I actually might even catch some flack that they're one of my favorite restaurants in town. They are really committed to, like, local farm-to-table, healthy, flexitarian. So, like, you can get a burger, but they also have, like, a turkey burger, and you can – I thought they were going to be a crappy chain, but there's only, like, five of them or something. But I wouldn't call it a diner. Like, you can go and get shrimp and grits. Like, I don't think a shrimp and grits is a diner food thing. But they do serve three meals a day. And they have, like, a jukebox and, like, malted shakes and stuff. And it looks like a diner from the outside. But to me, it just doesn't have that diner feel. It feels like a restaurant doing, like, cool, good farm-to-table food. Mm -hmm. But not necessarily a diner. But it's a a great price point, solid food. Um, But, yeah, I want just, like, a really good kind of classic diner. I need like some good fluffy pancakes with crispy edges oh, and a yes. crispy waffle and some greasy potatoes. Greasy potatoes that are bomb. <laughs> See, like, yeah, we have the the little family-owned diner up there, but it's like it's just not. Could be better. It's a little a little bland. Hey, someone in Frederick, get that going. <laughs> a, little, a little bit bland. I'm like, all right, now I got to start figuring out this whole financing thing. Like, how can I really make this happen? Like, and I also want to open up like a headquarters type of building. So I do want to have like a co-working share kitchen <laughs> situation to like a JCMC headquarters where people can, um, you know, have office space, have access to commercial kitchen, can kind of sell their stuff, retail, do pop-ups and things like that. I want to have like a nice 
photography kitchen because where people can like do their YouTube channels there or they can, um, you know, do pictures because people, people, chefs are really underestimating like how far a good headshot could go. I'm like, hey, send me your headshot. And then I'm getting selfies and I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> like everybody should have at least one good headshot. So, yeah. yeah I, I see that you know what you're doing. I you mean, got your headshot everywhere. I, I try. Like, I really. Out. You look very professional. Thanks. Like, I'm really trying to put myself out there as a brand. Like, I yeah. am my own brand, so I have to represent myself. What would you say your niche is? Like, cat, what's your specialty type of situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, chefs hate that question. I, I don't really think I have a specialty. Um, I know what I like to eat, what I enjoy cooking most, which is I like Thai food. Um. I appreciate French cuisine, so it's, like, a mixture in there. But, like, all my menus when I cook for clients are custom. So it's just pretty much what they ask me. If they ask me to do sushi, I'm doing sushi. If they, you know, like, mm-hmm. no true niche, I would say. And, and and people try to put you in a box. And and you don't have to be. Right. You know, like, I don't. That's not No, I'm just, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying people try, do try to put you in a box. And I try so yeah. hard, like, well, this is what I do. And I'm like. Somebody told me, like, Kat, you don't have to say right. this is what you do. You just cook. And I'm like, facts. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to go with that. You just do anything. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, I'm like, I feel like I could do anything. And I'm not even, like, <clears throat> I'm not some super crazy good chef. I think I have a, a decent palate and I know how to cook. Right. I can get it done. Yeah. But my specialty is pizza. I do pizza, so. That's why I asked the question, because mm-hmm. some people really do have that, like, right. one thing, you know what I mean? Right, like, and I, I think that's pretty cool when people do have that one mm-hmm. thing, like, who who does pizza? And, like, I'm like, you, or who does this? And I'm like, I can point to certain people to do things. So that's, mm-hmm. I love when I'm able to do that. But then it kind of defines them, like you were saying, like, you don't have to be defined. But if you do pick that one thing where you have that one thing. That you're right, because really you could be killing it, like, yeah. killing a pizza game. Like, you're making all this money because that's the one thing you do well. Like, you're a master of that one thing and not just... Well, I go on, like, um, Jags, where I'll get really into interested in, like, Cajun food. And I'll kind of spend, like, two years, like, reading every book, cooking all the time. And I'm like, I wouldn't say that I mastered it, but I'm just over it. And then I want yeah. to move on to, like, Spanish food yeah. and do that for a while. And I've been doing that. And now I don't think I'm really into anything right now, just kind of solidifying those things. But people do want a, an elevator pitch, especially as you do right. more networking, right? Like, people are like, oh, what are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm a personal chef. Oh, cool. What's your specialty? That's always the first question, right? So I have to come up with, I have to come up with something, you know, and I I say, well, I love, you know, mid-Atlantic and Southern food. Uh, Think shrimp and grits, pimento cheese, but like my own spin, but I love big, bold, global flavors, foods from Spain, Mexico, Thailand, Vietnam, the Middle East, and then just weird stuff like scrapple tacos, you know, and (laughs) like if I have to define what I do, but like, I'm not like, I cook Italian food. Right. Yeah, I, I really love, like, ethnic flavors. So, like, those big, bold, like, uh, spices and things like that, I guess. Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah. We just got into <laughs> we just got into ethnic food in yeah. the last podcast. Yeah. Do you want to tell a story? Uh, I just want to say one, uh, one weird thing, because you were talking about weird, <laughs> weird stuff. Chris has this uh, pepperoni dip. Mm. It's a mad weird. Mm. Uh, well, <laughs> so, uh, I, do you like pepperoni? <laughs> So it's a pepperoni spread. I take pepperoni and put it in a food processor with some cream cheese and mayonnaise and then spread it on crostini with uh, dried apricots and walnuts. I used to make like ham salad, you know, like ham salad with mayo and whatever. And then I turned that into a country ham salad. 
Um, but then the country ham I like, I couldn't get anymore. And every other country ham I tried was too salty. So I'm like, oh, everyone loves pepperoni. So like the evolution of a dish. But like real quick, we we're just talking because I have some customers who this past week, um, I do custom dinners as well. And they put on their questionnaire that I send them that they wanted, quote, nothing ethnically, dis- nothing distinctly ethnic was like, right. Yeah. You like all chefs laugh. And I posted about this on my Facebook. It turned into a big yes. conversation. Yeah. And we just. Some had, people mean one thing and some people mean another. Well, what it, what it meant yeah. was they really wanted um, Eurocentric classic dishes leaning towards French, Spanish, and Italian. But that's not what they said. Mm-hmm. Or also meat and potatoes. Right. You know, what they ended up getting was filet mignon with like gorgonzola cream sauce and yeah. a salad. But like the salad had manchego cheese, serrano ham, marcona almonds, and membrillo paste, which is Spanish. Right. And Spanish food is ethnic food. Right. But they don't think of that as ethnic. So is that code word for like no brown people food like, or you know, no, no Asian, no Asian food, no Middle Eastern food, no Mexican food. Um, and we were saying in the last podcast, so much of that crosses uh, boundaries of like a chimichurri is essentially a salsa verde is essentially a green harissa. And, you know, like, I might really want to make that sauce. And if they don't like ethnic food, then it might be, Just you know, something else. you know. Yeah, you just, it's an herb sauce. Right. You know, sauce. I was talking to my wife, she's like, just tell them it's like an herb, it's a fresh herb sauce. It's herbs pureed up with some vinegar and lemon. Right. But like it's really, exactly. but really it's like a chimichurri. Yeah. So it's really weird how people come into those kind of things. I and love brown people food. I love brown people food too. I mean, the first thing I always say is I cook big, bold flavors. Like I do not want to make chicken Parmesan. Like I have no interest in that at all. Like if you can go down the street and get it at a restaurant, I mean, and chicken parm is lovely. I'm just not creatively right. challenged. Yeah. Like I want to make food that interests me. I want to make food that people's never had. Have you ever had pepperoni spread before? Never. Exactly. Have you ever had a scrapple taco with like maple syrup dressing, uh, Brussels sprout slaw? No. You know, like, I don't know. I just like making interesting things. I, I do a dessert. It's a bulgur pudding. It's like a rice pudding, but made with bulgur wheat and cooked in coconut milk. Um, and like, I, I just want to make food like that. It's delicious. I don't know what, ethnic background it is i mean it's like vaguely southeast asian but not traditional in my own way and i just like making food like that but some people they just want steak and potatoes they want a filet and like loaded mashed and green beans and i'll do that it pays the bills but for me what i like to do is not give them the full range of choosing courses so like we're gonna do a five course dinner and you get to pick three courses and then i'm gonna bring two that you're not even gonna know what they are you just tell me what you won't eat And within that realm, then I'll make you some delicious stuff that you would probably never order, but you're going to love it. I wish I had more that just gave me full range of the menu, Um, but I'll take a half or a quarter of the menu. Do you have like a tell from your customers where something they do, I don't know. I guess You know they're going to be a pain? Either that or like when I do catering and stuff, like I can tell what kind of customer I'm going to have or client I'm going to have like pretty soon after I get there, like all depending on how hospitable they are to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, like, judging them or, like, I don't hate I to work them. for people who aren't going to, like, tell me where the bathroom is, tell me that I can use this and offer me a drink, you know what I mean? But I think I can kind of tell right off the bat from them those early interactions, even just straight off pricing. As soon as you start nickel and diming me, I'm yep. already over you. I'm out. Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, it's when I... When a customer dictates a menu, like, so because I do customized, right, and I'll send a questionnaire and they'll come back and they'll be like, I want a Caesar salad. Like, they don't even want to hear what I want to make. They 
want to go to a restaurant that serves the food they want. And they are not looking for perfect little bites. They're looking for a chef, any chef. And I don't want to be any chef. You know, I had a customer this past week contact me to do a dinner for Valentine's Day. And I'm going to be away on vacation. And I said, I can give you the names of some other chefs. And she said, no, let me talk to other people. Are you available the eight? And I said, yes, that she would rather rebook her whole party to get me than to just have anyone come do dinner. Those are the customers I want. I think that's where you build brand, you build relationships that that they're going to reschedule their whole party around my schedule as opposed to just finding someone else. And I think the people who want to ask you all the questions about pricing, nickel and dime you, get a deal and then dictate a menu. Because I do a proposal and I'll say, here's some stuff I think you'd like. And then they'll come back and say like, I want duck and duck wasn't even an option on the menu. Like it just says that they're going to be the kind of people who are going to want what they want. And I don't need to take your money. Like, I don't know how that sounds, but like I am doing my own thing so that I can have a good time with it, not be stressed, not have anxiety. And if I feel like I already don't like you before I walk in the door, I think that's going to show in my service. And there's some people you talk to via email and phone and I already know I'm going to go there and I'm going to be miserable. And then I'm not going to give the type of service that I want to give. So I, I think my expression is, it sounds like what you're looking for and what I do are two different things. And I can help you find someone else if you'd like. You know, I, I still have a nine to five job. So I was like, okay, I'm, you know, doing this monotonous work every day. So when I'm doing my own thing, I want to be creative. Mm-hmm. And so no people ask me for things. I'm like, when have you ever seen me post anything like this? Never. So why would you ask me for that? So people ask me for like, oh, can you make me like some meatballs and some green beans or whatever? And I'm just like, no, I can't. Like, I don't want to. I know people can't who- and don't want to are two different Sorry, things. That's right. Not right. I, yeah. I'm like, that's not on, exactly. That's not on brand. I don't want I want people to know that I do a specific thing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't I'm not a caterer. Like, I, I don't market myself that I'm a caterer I say personal chef or you know I host my own events where you're going to get what I'm cooking you don't choose this is what I'm making and this is what you're going to get so yeah that's yeah I'm like I'm making yeah I love just giving people what what I want to give them exactly because they didn't even know they liked it you know what I'm saying like they didn't even know their horizon I'm about to broaden your horizon well like why did they choose you in the first place exactly that's kind of what you were saying like when people choose Pizza Llama, like, they got to know they're getting Pizza Llama, not, right. like, whatever you want. I actually I actually would do this thing where when people book me, I'll ask them if they have any requests for the pizza. And, like, nine times out of ten, like, they're just, like, bacon. Mm-hmm. I want bacon. Mm-hmm. And I'm about like to stop you, asking the question because right, like, like, I don't even want to put bacon but on pizza. But you still want to do what you want to do. I so never put like, bacon on pizza, except when somebody pays me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not something that I do. You know what I mean? Like, I actually don't put a lot of meat on pizza usually. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, I'll do something interesting or weird, but I always have pepperoni. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just not something. I mean, I'll, I probably won't take that off my questionnaire, but still, it's just like I'm bored with that. Right. And it's not really on brand for me. I guess people need to truly understand what personal chef is all about. I mean, yes. I mean, I guess if like you're their like in home chef and. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to cook according to their needs. But if you're like hosting like a, a little event or something, like allow that chef to be creative and, mm-hmm. and wow you. I feel like I just met you and you and I are the same person. I love this. <laughs> I love this because this is what I say all the time. I think people think because 
you're a chef, you can do anything and you will do anything and that you're going to cater to their needs. And I want, I want to cater to you. I want to have this thing, but I have specialties. Like I don't do sushi. I have trouble sourcing good quality, fresh fish. I don't have the skill set to do it appropriately. And I would rather have you find someone do that who can do that. And there's a lot of times where people want these things and it just doesn't fit with something that I'm comfortable doing. And I'll, and I'll let them know that. And sometimes they're insistent. Have you ever had anyone kind of push back and say oh, like, definitely. like, like it, it sounds like you're being unaccommodating. Cause I've heard that a couple of times <laughs> that like, I don't want to work with them around their needs. Like I, I just got a questionnaire this past week where these people, it's like a group of 12 and I think eight have dietary restrictions. Like I accommodate dietary restrictions, but we're talking like, vegan celiac doesn't like fish like all this stuff and i'm just looking at it and i don't think i'm going to be able to do it because i'm not a caterer i don't have a kitchen full of 20 people i don't have multiple ovens to cook uh lasagna and and then a vegan lasagna was going to be sky high because i have to go get this one bag of almond flour or whatever and i and i just don't think i can do it but i've prepared myself for the fact that when i come back and say that that potentially they're going to be upset but i don't think people understand that when you are a solo chef doing this dinner party kind of personal chef businesses uh, they just expect that you can do everything like i want to be able to accommodate you but i just physically can't in that in that capacity (laughs) i don't care because it's like hey i'm a business and and people don't realize that you need to be a professional customer. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I have to be professional, you need to be professional. It's okay like, to fire customers. Right, exactly. Because, like, being an unprofessional customer, you call me the day before asking for anything. You switching up the number the day of, like, that kind of thing is like, I'm firing you. Okay, I already got some of your money, so I'm going to do it. But from here on, like, you're fired as a customer. So, no, like, you were talking to me crazy, you're fired. Like, I had to fire one time. Yeah, it was kind of sad because they had booked me before and then they tried to book me like six months later it was a whole new year it was like 2018 to 2019 a new season i had changed my pricing and like i just had to you know you reevaluate yeah, right. what you're worth and what you're making Absolutely. and i was like that's not even i wasn't even i traveled an hour and a half to do this gig and it just wasn't worth it so it was almost based on the last gig that i did for them that i changed my whole pricing structure and when i came back she asked me to do another party for them at this office and I gave her the number she was like that's almost twice as much as last time and I'm like first of all you're asking for like more stuff for the world right but also you know my prices have raised like I reevaluated my business and I had to make the decision to to up my prices and I definitely started at like dumb cheap prices Mm -hmm. and then I realized like people would need to realize a food costs money b i cost money b like I'm paying for my utilities, I'm paying for my travel, and I'm paying for my time. There's time at the grocery store. First of all, before I even get to the grocery store, me just simply writing your menu is my hours towards your event. Did you even consider that? Like, some people don't even know, oh, well, I got $300. Uh, that's how much I'm paying myself. Now, how, let's talk about your food costs. Like, <laughs> people don't even know. Like, we got to educate people on how to be customers of private chefs. So maybe that should be like a thing. <laughs> yeah. So me and this me and this client went back and forth like a few times and mm-hmm. she was really fighting the price and I'm just like standing firm in it. I even knocked off I think I knocked my travel fee off or something. I did something just to try to like Okay, it, yeah. you know, I'm sorry that the price went up so much, but I just need what I need to do this. She just wasn't having it. We emailed back about like twenty times and then you know what she did? She got Mission Barbecue to do it and then she sent me the receipt from Mission Barbecue. 
was there food as good as mine? I was like, just they're not hold up. First of all, they're just dropping you food off. You might even have to go pick it up yourself. And it's and what's on that menu, and they yeah. weren't flexible with anything. So right, I was like, I'm coming there, and I'm literally tossed the salad right before you get it. I cook the pizza right in front of you. If you have something special you want, I can do it for you. Like it's an interactive experience, not just Right. Ha- having a personal chef is a luxury item. It 100% is. And this is where I take some, I don't know if I say offense. Like I, I was at an event not too long ago that was geared towards independent chefs. And a couple people got up there who are chefs. And they're trying to start a business to be like a platform for chefs. And they said, well, every we should make personal chefs affordable for everyone. And this is something that's not exclusive. And I think everyone should be able to hire it. At what cost? Because what I see happening is then you're not paying your cooks and your chefs. Like if you can get a private chef to do dinner for $30, $40 a head, what's the quality of the food? How much are you paying your staff? Where are you cutting your costs? It all comes at a cost. Right. I don't think you can make it affordable for everyone. I mean, my wife has said a number of times, I would not pay for dinner what you charge your customers. Like that's just like my wife and I don't pay that kind of money. I'm okay with providing a service that my wife and I wouldn't pay for. We spend that kind of money going out to restaurants, but it's not like as often as, you know, some of my, I have regular customers who hire me all the time and pay that because for them, that's the luxury. I'm also a chef, so I can cook that food at home for free. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm coming to your house getting a customized dinner. That is luxury. But it takes days. And I think I'm going to do a mini podcast. I I like to do these little things throughout the week. And maybe it's just going to be me talking into a microphone. But I'll say this on the record now for anyone listening. So when I have a customer, I build a personalized menu. So you reach out to me. I send you a questionnaire. You fill it out. I have to read it. Then I look at all of what you tell me you like and don't like. And then I build you a personalized menu around that. And I send it to you, right? Then once you've picked a menu, I got to go to the store. And by the store, I mean four stores, exactly. right? Which is like a whole day. Now, hopefully I can hopefully I can do maybe three or four different events shopping at once, but it's a day. And then you've got to prep. And then you got to like pull all your china and your equipment and your gear. Yeah, and then like, and then, and then my customer is like, I live in Frederick and I go to Alexandria, which is like two hours at dinner time to get there. I'm there for like four to five hours. I drive an hour and a half back. Now I got to do dishes for like an hour. Right. That's a lot. So even though I'm getting paid five, six hundred dollars for a dinner or something like that, it took me three days. Like how much do you make in a day as an accountant or a lawyer or a painter or whatever? You know, I don't think people realize. Yeah. It's not just the three hours that I'm there, four hours that I'm at your house. Um, You got, you know, and I chose to do this. I, I choose to take gigs that are two hours away and I choose to buy the products that I do, which means I have to go to multiple stores. So I charge what I feel it's worth. And you either okay, understand that and pay that, that or you don't. Like, how much do you think I should eat? I've actually, I, I, I say that in a kind of jokingly way, like not to a customer who's trying to be cheap on me, but they'll ask about pricing in general. And I'll say, yeah, you know, I can't, there's two of you. I do dinners for two. I know a lot of people don't do dinners for two. So it's like, I have to charge a minimum of a hundred dollars a head, which nobody wants to hear. But the truth is it's not worth it doing it. Like doing a dinner for two at a hundred dollars a head is not worth it. Now a customer paying a hundred dollars a head does not want to hear that from their chef, but it's not when you take into account the time and the effort. I do it because it's fun. Um, it's good lead gen. You might do their 15 person Christmas party, but at the end of the day, I'm not like, Ooh, like it's $200. Maybe 50 of that was for food. And then he spent three days prepping it out. It's like, that wasn't worth it when I could do a party for 10 at a hundred dollars. Um, but I'd say, you know, like, yeah, if, 
you each want to pay $40 a head. That's $80. Oh, and then if I take out, and then you take out all the costs and everything, like food cost alone, come home to my wife and say, here's the 32 cents that I made today. Like you can't operate that way. And if you want to have so a real true. business and sustain yourself, especially as a full time. And I think the thing that's really interesting is there's so many side hustlers out there right now who are trying to get their feet wet. So they're doing it on the cheap which dilutes the whole pool, especially if people doing it full time. Because that's the truth. And you know, it's, it's cool when you work a full time job and you're making a thousand dollars this week working somewhere that you can go make, you know, I'll go do a dinner for four $50 a head on Friday. Cool. You're not supporting your family. I've got a wife and seven year old twins and a mortgage and all that. This is my only job. Like what I make at this personal chef thing is the only money coming in. I make no money off chefs without restaurants right now, but seriously, like, this is my full-time job, so I can't talk about Chef Cat who's charging $30 a head for dinner because she's doing on this. Like, I don't even talk about other people's pricing structure. It's like, this is what I need to charge to support myself and sustain my business. And if you can find it cheaper, cool, go do it. Let me know how it works out. Yeah, but, but like you said, it's definitely getting diluted by people, the side hustlers. And I was like, I'm going to have to start side hustling my side hustle. Like, <laughs> okay, I can provide like this nice restaurant experience, but I'm also going to have to start slinging some dinners on the side where I'm just making mac and cheese and some green beans and some Cajun salmon because that's what everybody likes. I'm like, that's where the money is. So, but then it's like, all right, well, you have to have some sort of integrity about your business and realize, you know, I want to keep this line or whatever my reputation that this is what I do. But sometimes I know, I was like, man, I'm like really struggling over here. What can I do real quick? And then just like do a dinner and just kind of like text people so I don't have to put it online. And that's what I'm doing. How do you get most of your business? Definitely social media. So definitely social media and then word of mouth. And I hate that I'm so glued to social media because it's definitely draining like mentally. But um, that's where it's all happening. Do you just like... Do you um, sponsor posts or anything, or you just kind of like have built? Yeah, I have had sponsored posts, and I think I'm going to sponsor my um, Valentine's Day event. And then I was just talking, it was funny, like my older aunts and cousins were like, well, we don't use any Instagram. So. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, there's like a whole like generation of people I'm missing because they're not on social media, so what should I do? And I'm just like, I really, truly don't even know what I should do. I guess people are, they should still have email. How about an email list? Like go on MailChimp and set up an email list. And I've not been good about keeping up with it, but I have an email list. It's hard because social media does skewer younger. And because I'm in a higher price point, actually most of my customers are not on social media. But you have a lot of followers. So it's like I have like 2,700 followers on Instagram. And I'd say like, 1% of them are actual customers who've used my service and have paid for my food. So like it's a supporting community and it looks good to the outside, but that 65 year old retired guy who's hiring me for his Christmas party didn't find me on Instagram. He used Google. So like you got to figure out how you can rank high in search results. That's good. That's that's You got to keep checking on that (laughs) Google thing, you know? Putting out, but putting out content will get you into Google. Even if you put on Instagram, it should still show up in Google. Do you have a Yelp page yet? Have a Yelp page. I hate Yelp. I hate Yelp. I hate Yelpers. I will never pay. But here's the thing. They are super high in search results. And here's the thing. 
if you believe that we're going to go to a voice world where people don't type on the computer and they go to voice, you need to know what I've discovered is that iPhones will rank Yelp high. So if you will go and say, Alexa, find a personal chef in Baltimore, I might come up higher because that's what they favor is Google results. But if you ask Siri to do it, Siri's pulling the data from Yelp. And what I found is because I had a personal way that I felt about Yelp negatively, I didn't push customer reviews there. So I was really low on it. So when you asked it on an iPhone for personal chef, I didn't come up at all because I didn't have a presence on Yelp. So I made sure this past year I dedicated to building my Yelp page, putting photos on there. I get a ton of business through Yelp now. People find, and I'm not paying a cent for advertising with them. They always want me to. I'm not going to start going down that road because I've heard of some of their shady business practices. But I just feel like that's one of those things that holds people back. You have a personal feeling. Like I've heard so many stories from restaurateurs about bad dealings with them and and their business practices. So I'm like, yeah, I don't like that either. So I'm not going to use them. But you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot because they pay billions of dollars in ad, you know, to get ad traffic. So thinking about that, oh, just, just things like you start paying for their services. And then if you stop, then they start hiding your, your reviews and doing really shape, put, put negative. Yeah. So like I have not, it's called not recommended. So like when you leave a review, they have, they put it on the algorithm and say, well, the algorithm decides whether or not this is, should be shown or not. So it shows that I have 12 five-star reviews and they'll say not recommended 24. Now you can click on that. It doesn't go towards your overall rating and read all the reviews. And it's like the president of the chamber of commerce and Frederick wrote me like a five-star review, but it's like not recommended. So you call and talk to them and say, well, it's not up to us. Our algorithm decides whether or not we're going to show it on your profile or if we're going to hide it. But I think there's some shady business practices there. And if you pay for their ad services, then the general consensus is that those will get unhidden. But then if you stop using it, then they're going to push the negative ones into your profile and hide the good ones. That's just the kind of things that you hear about them. And I've heard way too many stories anecdotally to to not believe that. But that doesn't change the fact that they search high in Google search results. The same with Thumbtack. As much as I don't like using Thumbtack, they go to the top of the search results. So I feel like you need to at least sign up for them and put a picture on there and put pictures of your dish and build a profile. And I like Google or look up um, personal chef. I've never even met these people before. And I feel right. like I know like all the chefs. <laughs> totally. Once again, lots of side hustlers out there. Yeah. But like I would totally go on and build a Yelp page for your mm-hmm. business. And uh, I would build a Thumbtack page if you're not on Thumbtack. And even if you don't ever pay for advertising on any of those, it's worth having because both of those companies pay a lot for Google search results. And then you'll come to the top in search results. Just things that I found. I feel like I'm kind of phasing myself out of like personal chef. I feel Mm -hmm. like I more often want to host an event that people come to because I don't like becoming the organizer. I just want to be my own boss totally. Like, Mm -hmm. no, I don't want to cook what you want. I want to cook what I want and you eat what I want. Like, you, you sought me out to eat my food. Like, I feel myself going into that space because when I when I cook for some people and they tell me what they want, I'm just like, like you said, I just get bored with it. Or I'm like, I don't really want to cook that. Or they want me at these times. And it's like, I really don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I totally want to be in control of when and what I'm cooking. So that's kind of where I am right now. Like, yes, I got to still pay the bills, so I'll go do those jobs. But 
I feel that's the direction I'm going into in 2020. I know you mentioned that before, but is your in-home restaurant kind of like part of that scheme? Definitely. So last month was my first restaurant um, that I did. It's called Three Petals, and I did it straight up like a restaurant. So I post my um, menu, and you pick what you want so I can know how much food I need to buy. Like, we're not going to be mm-hmm. doing You pick there, and I have all this, like, shit ton of stuff to, to choose from. So no, I want to know what I need to get. I did three services, so I and that was nuts, and I shouldn't have done that my first time go around. So I had like a, I had a six thirty, a seven thirty, and an eight thirty service. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you know people come late, so it starts late, and the people from the seven thirty were already there while people were still sitting. So it like mm-hmm. the buzz in my house really sounded like a legit restaurant. Um, I had pastry chef there with me, Amber, um, and then I had um, my sous chef with me, Christina, and I had. Um, Nicole, who's a sommelier, who provided the wines for me to accompany the um, dishes. So it was really cool, but I definitely learned some lessons on on how to run that. But I'm like, this could definitely be sustainable. For that first one, I did it like at a really discounted rate just to kind of just get a feel for it, to get my feet wet. So I charged my first service I did for free for influencers. So I invited some influencers to come. And then my second um, services, I charged $45 per person. So this is a three course meal and it was, it was really nice. Like I had like um, a butternut squash soup and then I did like a charred corn risotto for like first course. Second course was, I think I did like a airline chicken with, um, what did I, do? I forgot, but it was really nice. Like I had a steak dish and I had, um, I think I had like a fish dish or something like that. And then Amber did the dessert. So it was really nice. Um, so this time going around, I'm going to do a brunch on the 19th. Because people was like, do a brunch, do a brunch, because I really didn't want to do a brunch, but I'm going to do it. So it's going to be cool. And also going to be three courses, and that's going to be $45. I'm going to do like mimosas and like hot cider or something like that for winter. And then I'm going to do a Valentine's Day dinner. So that would be cool. Um, definitely only going to do two services and going to have at least a, a half hour in between services. So I can flip, because I have to flip the table and do all this and do that. And I ran all my stuff. So I'm like, all right, I need to start buying some stuff and inventory and stuff. And people don't re- realize that either. Like when you're a personal shop, like you got to buy toys, like you got to buy stuff and that costs money. And so that goes along with me, um, with my pricing. So ooh, this could get deep here. My, my, <laughs> my, my burning question with that is, is that even legal? Because if that was Frederick, they would shut that shit down. And I'm not looking. At, and, I'm, and I'm not. I'm not looking to put you on blast on no, here. Totally. But like, totally, because this is that's the super gray area. Because because you should be following the same regulations that we do in Frederick. Because they'll tell you Comar dictates all of Department of Health for all of Maryland. Now, I see a lot of gray areas uh, and a lot of things from county to county. And I think sometimes Frederick is like we don't have enough going on that they're going to ride that. Whereas in Baltimore, they're too busy with other things. But I do feel like that when you start running a underground restaurant out of your house it does put a target on your back and is that something you've thought about talked about and researched and like are you okay with i think there probably is a target on my back and i remember like watching some stuff where there were like underground like supper clubs and stuff going on in in new york and they like shut it down and i'm like i totally understand but i think um i forget if i was reading something or watching something where they were just talking about home cooks and being able to like 
cater out of your home and things like that. So I'm pretty sure they're gonna somebody's gonna come after me eventually, and I'll figure it out when we I get can, there. we can talk off mic about how to how to do some of this. Yeah, so I was like, okay, you know, like have my own. Refrigerator that's strictly for the restaurant. They're they're still they're still gonna say you can't do it out of your house. Like, I mean, it it does change from county to county, but I've looked into this a lot and talked to a lot of people, and I think the general consensus is like not allowed. I wonder if you if you say because I was like, all right, well maybe if I say donation. You know what I'm saying? I've seen a lot of that. Like, I have a really nice garden at my house, and you're paying for a tour of the garden, and included in the garden house tour is a complimentary complimentary meal. So I think, once again, it depends on, like, how much people want to come after you and whatever. Yeah, Yeah, and there's always, like, a lot of it is just verbiage. Like, you don't have to put – like, if you're going to promote it online, that's where it gets dangerous, I feel like, when you start promoting it out in public. But you don't have to put – the price. You don't have to say where it's at. You right. can just be like, come to my dinner and RSVP when they RSVP. All right, it's 45 bucks. Right. And then, you know, that's okay. what it is. But. Yeah, okay, we'll figure that out. I definitely think, like, the haters are like, Mm-mm, she can't be doing that. We need to call to shut that down. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that there are those, there are those people, like, we'll, yeah. we'll, I'll cross that bridge when I get there or I'll figure some things out before they come. <laughs> I feel like a lot of it comes from just the way that we pr- I know in Frederick it's like you can do stuff <clears throat> well you're not supposed to but like if I do an event that I'm not necessarily permitted for or in a venue that's not permitted um, like as soon as it gets on Facebook or if I make an event for it they're probably going to find out about it because mm-hmm. they follow that right. but they're not as, they're not really looking at Instagram like that so like Sometimes if I put something on Instagram, especially if I just do a story, mm-hmm. right. I'm flying like I'm good. I'm under the right. radar. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but then if you like start, you want to like start sponsoring posts and stuff, they're probably gonna see that. Okay. And then some of them like somebody told me that they had that the uh, the head of our health department was following <laughs> them or whatever. And they had to block them. I'm like, well, tell me their <laughs> tell me their handle because I want right. to block them too. But I got some good. I got some um, good relationships with people. <laughs> Yeah. So we'll we'll see. I don't know. Like, I mean, you have liability insurance, and it's kind of like, you know, I'm covering myself, kind of. But I think if you read the, like, I have liability insurance, but I think then if you're doing something like that, it might not come, and you'll find that it's like null and void. Like, you have liability insurance until someone gets sick in your house, and then they're going to put their hands up and be like, oh, this doesn't cover you cooking in your house. And then you're on your own, like, because I'm sure your liability insurance is like mine. It's like an 800 page document. Yeah. You know, it's the same with the it's same with the the Department of Health, the Comar. Have you ever looked at the Comar? Mm-hmm. So that's the handbook you are supposed to live and die by with all the codes for what you can do for food production, selling service, where you can make it, how you serve it and how you handle it. And it's mm-hmm. a ridiculously long document. And it's not really easy to read, but I've read it cover to cover probably about five times just kind of looking for things because there are a lot of gray areas and it's interpreted at the county level. So like I know I've done events in Baltimore where I didn't pull permits, but in Frederick, if I didn't pull a permit, they would have come for me. But in Baltimore, I've done like pop up dinners at places where nobody came and bothered me because at the end of the day, I was cooking for 15 people at a, a small place and just like they couldn't be bothered. But in Frederick, they may be. Um, Last week I did something for fifty. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> no. Are you are you a licensed like, are you a licensed, licensed caterer? No. Yeah. That's yeah. why I don't tell people I'm a caterer. Like, did, 
did you did you know in per Comar you can't actually use the term cater or catering and you can be fined? Like if you did a Facebook post and said, "Let me cater your birthday," they could literally come and fine you for that. That cater is a licensed, like a legally licensed term. Like I went and pulled a permit in the Frederick Department one day. And they were gone like 15 minutes and they came back like, we were just on your Facebook page and went through your post. And last January, you said something about, I let me cater your holiday parties. Okay. And they're like, you need to take that down. And if you make any reference to catering, you need to provide your caterer license number on your business card. Now, nobody's doing it, but they'll tell you if you're a caterer, your catering license number needs to be on your business cards, your logos. If it's advertising on your truck or van, I see zero companies doing zero. that, but I've been told I would need to do that. And I'm not looking to put anyone on blast, but there are zero caterers zero. who are licensed who do that. But that's them wanting to give me a hard time about some of the yeah. things I'm doing because I'm a personal chef. Here's the thing, catering, but catering shows up good in a <laughs> SEO sense. Yeah. So you can bury the term cater in things. You can use it in like tags that don't show up in text anywhere, but still make sure that you're going to rank for the term cater. I've connected with like several cool people just off of, like, it probably was like personal chef hashtags, just stuff along those lines. And I don't even use those that much because I have a food truck and I, like I have a caterer's license and catering business. So occasionally i'll do like a personal chef thing when i want to do like in-home pizza stuff but yeah i met a couple cool people like this guy in ohio does like chicken and waffles and it's just from a, a personal chef tag definitely people are not doing things lately and killing it i know well i mean it's yeah. like they're the regulators yeah we don't we're not they get paid to regulate us we're not regulating ourselves you know what i mean that's the type of situation where it's definitely better to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Why? Like, what? It's not our job to regulate. It's their job. Right. So I'm gonna just keep going until somebody yeah. shuts it down. And then figure but it out. I just think it's something fun to do. I think people are. I'm not gonna say over restaurants, but just looking for some other fun dining mm -hmm. experience, and and it's, it's social. You don't know who's gonna be there. Like it's mm -hmm. intimate, so you're forced to talk to people. So I just think it's. It's pretty fun and pretty different. And like with me building my brand and, pe and people want to interact with me. Like, so when, are, when are we going to do this together? We could, totally, <laughs> for sure. That, that is one of the pillars when I started this of what I really wanted to do was like pop-up collabs because I just miss cooking with people. Like yeah. I used to cook with people all the time and now I don't. And Andrew and I did one and I did one last year with another friend. You just rent an Airbnb instead of having it in your house, exactly. like rent an Airbnb. Then you don't have to deal with it being in your home and make it a private event. And from what I understand, so here's the thing. If you advertise it publicly, it's public. But if you just like, hey, we're going to be having a dinner party in February in Maryland. Who's interested in coming and having a Chef Chris, Chef Andrew, Chef Cat dinner? DM me yeah. and we'll get you details. And then just don't do it at your home. Like pay a hundred bucks and rent an Airbnb and just go do all the work there and not worry about that. And that way you can circumvent all the stuff. You're not doing a public event. Right. It, the address isn't publicized. You don't have to have weird people in your home. Right. And then have like a fun dinner party. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's worth, for me, it's worth it spending the money. Like my wife does not want people in our house. Like you can get an Airbnb on the cheap, especially if you can work some kind of cross promo deals with them yeah, where they're showing off their property in yeah. space. I did that but like, I want this to be the year of the pop-up collab. So oh, definitely, I think that's what's going on. People are realizing, like, uh, the cross networking. Now you are introducing my network. I'm introducing mm -hmm. your network. We're making this money, and now costs are cut in half. They're split. So 
Yeah. Definitely. And yeah. I just love working with different people and saying, oh, this is your cooking style. You taught me something. Because right, I don't get any of that anymore. Right. The same if you're if you're doing this full time. Like, who are you seeing? Like, I don't have any cooks tasting my food anymore. I'm not getting ideas from anyone. It's just like stuff I see online. Right. Like, I want to be in it. I want to be cooking with someone. Right. Um, and I definitely think there should be more like, when I, when I host my chef meetups, and it's very unfortunate, but like, only black chefs show up. And I'm like, I did not say black chef meetup. I said chef meetup. And then I'll go to like a share kitchen and see all these other chefs. Like, I don't even know you. Like, let's know each other. Why not? You know what I'm saying? Like, I did not say just black chefs. And how come these non-black chefs feel like they didn't want to come to my event? Like, I don't understand that. But I feel like, man, if you know me and I know you and we could do something together, it could be magical. Who knows? This was like, 20 minutes ago, but I had some serious deja vu. About? So, man, I don't, it was like, oh, I, had, I had brought something up, and then you were talking about it, and that was it. It was just like, I've, I was here before. <laughs> so, I think maybe that's the sign for 2020 being the year of the collaboration. Like I said, for my Mardi Gras dinner, we got five chefs participating. Two of them are from Philly, so I think that's pretty cool to be even networking from people from um, different states. I think it just pulls different networks in and it diversifies our communities because I'm like, I don't just cater to this type of person. I'm a chef. Like I, I could cook, I think about anything. So I want to cook to um, for everyone. So these collabs definitely allow me to say, for instance, I'm just, I feel like I was pigeonholed into black only situations. Now that I've cooked with chef so-and-so, chef so-and-so, now it's opened up my network. Mm-hmm. Let's get into that. The, the Mardi Gras pop-up. Um, or is it, is it Mardi Gras pop-up? Mm-hmm. It's a sisterhood dinner series. Just Call Me Chef Sisterhood Dinner Series. And the first themed dinner, February 29th, uh, it's going to be held at Cedar and Cotton, which is a cool um, space that's like a furniture mm-hmm. warehouse situation. It's really nice, I'm sure. And um, we got five chefs, and they'll each um, do a course. There'll be a um, cocktail hour from 6.30 to 7.30, and then dinner will be served. Um, so hoping to get at least 40 people in each, uh, chef do their own course and it's going to be Cajun themed. I'm going to get like a band or something like that. And my friend chef Q just opened up a stall inside of our house, which is like a marketplace um, situation and it's called Creole soul. And we're going to ask her to be like our future chef. So I think that'll be really cute to just like, I don't know. Like, I think like the dinner party scene is something where people are starting to enjoy more than just like traditional dining out. And then you have another event coming up too, right? For Just Call Me Chef. Um, we're working on a conference that will be in March. Well, at first it was going to be a conference, and I talked to my partner, and we're going to dial that one down in March to a workshop, and then we're going to do a big conference in October, so we can, you know, properly market and, and figure out exactly what we want to do, so that it's um, so it's really good. I don't want to just throw things together and you know because I'm like really protective of my my brain so I want to make sure I do it right so yeah that's exciting I'm going to be putting out some feelers for that just so so people can start marking their calendars or whatever and just gauging how people think about a workshop in a conference like I went to a conference in Delaware by the um, Restaurant Association of Delaware and it's called Women in Hospitality and I think it was really cool just to see the women in the business but of course we know a lot of women are in hospitality and, and I don't really feel like I walked away with too much. I don't want to put things out there that are a waste of time for people. 
And it's like, okay, this was cute, you know, but it's like, I want to, I want to learn things. I want to truly walk away. Like, I don't even know any, like, I, I didn't even really meet anyone there. You know what I mean? I want people to come to Just Call Me Chef Workshop and really like, oh, your chef so-and-so. I follow him on Instagram and now we're friends and now we're about to do a collab in like next month or something like, like build true relationships. Was that an all woman event? Mm -hmm. Do you think that's a woman issue? Because I just heard this similar thing, not about that, but someone I follow who's in building businesses that she had talked about going to a business conference geared towards women. It was a lot of like woo ha, like kind of like spirituality, like pumping each other up, but there wasn't a lot of substance to it. And that I know she left kind of feeling like, wow, that was like a big old waste of time. Like there wasn't any meat to it. It was all kind of fluff. And do you think that's an issue with, like, being a woman's type event that they're, I don't know. Yeah, I think think it was total fluff. I think maybe they were just feeling around for seeing if people were interested in these kind of conferences. But for me, I definitely need to be able to provide meat for people. Um, And I don't think I'm going to have a whole bunch of that hoorah stuff even built into the program at all, like, we're not, oh, we're black women, we can do this, black girl magic, like, yes, like all of that. Like, almost like, it's already understood. Right, it's understood, like, yeah. That's, that's why we're here. We exactly, don't we don't need to talk about it, let's get into what we need to get into, like, what do we need to learn so that we can go forth and prosper? So that's what, what it's going to be all about, for sure, like. Okay, I don't know how, like, I really don't know how to market myself on social media properly. Who can teach me that? Like, how do I, what times do I need to post? Uh, how do I raise money? Because that's where I'm at right now. Like, I need to raise some money, but I don't want to go through, like, Kickstarter or anything like that. There's got to be other ways to raise funds. Like, people who actually own brick and mortars, like, tell us, tell us your stories. Tell us your horror stories. Tell us, like, the behind the scenes, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like, people like to hear real shit. Like, what's real? And, and not just fluff like it was nice you had some cute speakers but it's just like what is real because that's what's really going to help me get to where I need to get to so yeah definitely I want people to walk away like oh my god I had no idea about that or wow I really connected if nothing else like wow I connected with one person and that, that was really powerful I think that whole event is powerful and it's going to be really powerful for people definitely like I'm super excited about it and and that's really my main thing is I don't want any fluff like I keep telling my partner I don't want that fluff and and I think that another thing is too like when starting your own business people are always trying to um well I know I'm looking for validation for sure and I think to get that validation you do need people behind you like yeah I started this thing I only got you know like 2,500 followers and people are like some people won't even pay you any money unless you have 10,000 followers. And I'm like, people, businesses are out there thriving plenty with not even, with no Instagram. But for my age group, I guess I, I do need it. Um, so I'm trying to get those sponsorships so people are like, oh, you're backed by like, you know, ChefWorks, you're backed by whatever. And, and so that's what I'm after right now. So that's why I wanted to push the uh, conference back so I can have this longer period of time to be like, sliding in their DMs and sending them emails like, hey, we're doing the work. What's up? Can I get some chef coats? Can I get some whatever? Just so that I can put your name on my event so people are like, oh, they got our legit sponsor. Because some people host events and then I've gone to a couple of conferences and things where it was a complete waste of time. Like, I knew it was a waste of time because they're not backed by anybody. They don't have any true followers. So it's just some random event. And I don't want people to think that about mine. 
it sucks that I, I you need to be validated, but some you do sometimes. It helps even with uh, I mean, you know, who knows what they like what, what that sponsorship comes with, but just having the name sometimes will help. Mm-hmm. Like you said, validation. If you get resources and and cool extras from it. Then, exactly. That's yeah. why I always slide into McCormick's DM like, can I get some spices or what's up? Like, I like my, uh, my Just Call Me Chef calendar is about to come out. Um, it should be printed hopefully by Wednesday. That's what I'm hoping for. I'll, I'll show you guys a copy of that, by the way. And we did one last year. Um, I'm like, man, if you would you could have sponsored the calendar and we could, I could have made sure everybody's recipe included your spice. They still need to see something. They need mm-hmm. to see more content, more whatever. But and like this calendar is nationwide. Like I was on uh, CBS Good Morning. Like it's gain, it's gaining traction. But still, I need something to for those companies to be like, whoa. And where is that um, conference going to be? So the workshop is going to be here in Baltimore. I'm going to be scoping out some um, venues on Friday with my partner that's coming down from New York. And then the one in October is going to be in New York City. And I'm actually going to New York on Wednesday for a little one day trip because I, I hosted like a group shot picture. I did an all call and said, hey, black women from everywhere, black chefs come in. We're doing a photo shoot. And like people did come in from Didn't everywhere. Didn't you have like a hundred people coming? Yeah. Around? Yeah. And so our, our group shot is in Cherry Bomb Magazine. So I'm going up to New York on Wednesday um, to go to their um, launch for that edition. But yeah. With nothing else, I think we could just get into this speed round on the fly. Okay. So just it doesn't always happen that fast. But <laughs> the goal is well, to like, I'm the an questions. overthinker, like the Capricorn in me. Like, hey, I'm a Capricorn too. Hey, when's your birthday? birthday? The thirteenth. For real? Yeah. Me too. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on the fly. What's your favorite tool in the kitchen? Definitely chef's knife. What's your favorite food to eat? To be truly honest, frosted flakes. Mmm. Or a slice of uh, cheese pizza. Winner, winner. Uh, if you had all the monies, what's the first position you would hire? Front house manager. I get it. Who's your favorite chef? Doesn't have to be a celebrity. Right now, my favorite chef is Khalees. Khalees, like yes, the the singer. Yeah, <laughs> but she's a chef. I did not know that. Please Google her. She's the bomb. Like she I love her right now. Yes. Oh my gosh, Khalees is so tight. She just bought a farm. And she's like growing her own stuff and raising her own cattle and stuff. Yes. We got to get Khalees on this podcast. She's my favorite now. Okay. That is amazing. I didn't know that. Thank you. Art or science? Art. Me too. What's your favorite digital tool? It could be anywhere from like a thermometer to Instagram. I guess Instagram is my favorite. Oh, I kind of hate Instagram. Uh, It's a tool though. Can we do like CV? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Of course. That's a cool one. Can you recommend a book? My most recent one was um, Chef Kwame's book. What's your favorite culinary resource? This is almost a bad question for you because you kind of are a culinary resource. Hmm. Or do you consider so, Just Call Me Chef to be a culinary resource? Oh, absolutely. I would, sure. I would call it that. Because mm-hmm. people call me all the time with food questions to how do I price to how do I do this? And I'm just like, but um, yeah, JCMC is definitely a culinary resource. My favorite culinary resource, mm, I don't know. I'm really like going to go with YouTube. That's a good one. You can learn how to do anything on YouTube. All right. How do you decompress? Since I've been off, I've been legit in the bed taking serious naps and rest. Like that's something we hardly ever get a chance to do mm-hmm. is just to really just rest. So I've been resting. Um, I love taking like a long bath. So 
total relaxation. What's the best meal you've ever had? So I went to Magdalena for Mother's Day about two years ago. And I had like a soft shell crab dish. I swear I wanted to lick the plate. It was so good. Like every piece of garnish, whatever, was like delightful on the plate. Like I don't I don't even remember what else was on there, but that soft shell crab was perfection. All right, my last question is what do you, Chef Cat, want to be remembered for? Um, I definitely wanna be remembered for just call me chef for connecting chefs and building like a strong sisterhood like worldwide. Definitely want this to be worldwide. Like it's already taking over nationwide. So I definitely people somebody hit me up the other day from London. I was like, okay. Or somebody hit me up from um was it Ghana? I don't know. And I was like, wow. So the potential for this is like amazing. And to know have my little face in some book somewhere and it says founder just called me chef two thousand and eighteen. I'm like, that would be tight. You know, you could be worldwide now and you don't even realize it. I know. Wait till March. Ghana and London. I, that's pretty late. That's two, right. You're two different continents right there. You're, you're yeah. intercontinental right now, so you're not far off. You're going to make it. Thank you. Appreciate you. <laughs> of course. Thank you for coming out today. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, this, this is fun. It's been a really cool conversation. It has. It was yeah. a little lengthy. Yeah, well, you know. We got to dig in. <laughs> you know, time, you know, I really appreciate it, though, because it was really organic. And... Because I don't. there's enough fluff out there, right? Where yeah. You, I mean... Like, we talk about the speed route, like, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite tool? Like, there's a lot of that. And we do it kind of as, like, a baseline and it's fun. But I just want to get into the deep stuff. Like, we've had some deep conversations. And people talking about stuff they've never – you know, we had someone come on talking about substance abuse. And he said, I think this is the first time I've ever come on – like, spoken out in public about it. Like, I want to have this space where people feel like they can talk about – like, I've talked about getting fired. I've never done that. Andrew talked about, you know, going to jail. Like, you know, like things that you wouldn't normally feel comfortable talking about with everyone out in public. But then you're going to say it on the podcast so that yeah. we can not that I mean, maybe normalize it. But those conversations about substance abuse, mental health, about work environments, about, you know, races and classes and being held down and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I want to get into those topics oh, on this podcast. Yeah, because people... Right now, being a chef is like being a rock star. And so it looks all glitz and glamoury. But it is like being a rock star. People are doing hard drugs. People are like killing themselves. Like the numbers are crazy. Like, yeah, you don't want to talk about all that depressing stuff, but that's what comes along with it. So people should know what comes along with it. Thanks, guys. Follow me on the gram, Naturally Chef Cats. And at justcallmechef.co, the website is www.justcallmechef.co. And check out the hashtag... Hashtag Chef Cat, and hopefully you'll come to one soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for jumping right into that. I was gonna—I <laughs> didn't even have to ask you to do it. You just went ahead and did it, and I love it. All right. Um, as usual, like and subscribe to the podcast. Give us a review, please. It'll help us out. And um, if you have any anything you want to say to us or you want to get on the podcast, shoot us an email, chefswithoutrestaurants at gmail.com. That's all I got. I'm Andrew. This is Chris. Thanks for listening to the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show or sponsoring a show, please let us know. We can be reached at chefswithoutrestaurants at gmail.com. Thanks so much.